Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. The house is a TV and so The 16th century. (laughs) The 60s. Um, In Spacecape, you very kindly provided the readers, stroke listeners, with uh, these great early songs that you recorded. Mm. The Best Seaside in the World, Chaplin House, Cowboys and Indians. We love those. They are terrific songs. Um, And not only terrific songs, they're really come ready formed and the the vocal sound is already there. How, How did you get such kind of record-worthy sounds on what I presume were demos? There were. I think we recorded them at Graham's house. He right. was living with his parents right. Right. at the time, but he had a little little room with a with a two-track Revox. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd go around there every now and again when we had a song. Mm-hmm. And he was he kind of mentored us in, in, in the early days because he was, he was pretty successful by then. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. And um, we just... You know, we sat around the mic and we did our thing. And occasionally occasionally we got some of the people, friends in local bands into singing along with us as well. Right. um, It's amazing recordings for a two-track. It's not bad, is it? It sounds like it's bounced to buggery. It's brilliant. Yeah, but but it still retains the individual elements. That's what... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, it's so innocent. We weren't really aware of technique or... Mm. Right. We were learning all the time. And it was just a way of getting them down. Right. Yeah, we love the, the innocence in it. We love the, the storytelling in Chaplin House. It happens that I know a little place where I can go where Sally Hawkins used to run the show. Just sort of the story of, of Sally place. and. Oh, Mr. It, it's a real place. Really? Where it's was that? It's a real that? place in Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, and when I was studying uh, graphic design in Stoke, right. it was just one of the houses that some of the students in my year were staying at, were living at. Okay. Well. okay. But you made the story. Was there really a, a Sally and a Gigolo? Or? Yeah, I don't think there was a Sally. I okay. can't remember any Sallys. Right. But, you know, you sort of... I think Tom Waits does similar things. Something just piques his interest and he jots it down. So right. it, was, it was one of those things. It just yeah. sounded interesting. Like maybe Charlie Chaplin stayed there once or never. Yeah. So it just had a nice ring to it. So it became a song. Yeah, Dave Berry recorded that as a single. Did he by joke? He did uh, in, I don't know the exact year, but it was very early on. There's a, there's a picture, well, not more than the picture, there's the actual 45, yeah, recorded at Strawberry, I think. Wow. Yeah, very um, similar version. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much the same arrangement with him. With okay. The lead vocal, but obviously it wasn't. We him. can. We'll share some some clips with you. Yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds um, interesting. On Bopo, 
which is a great song. Ambopo. Ambopo, uh, yeah. sorry, Umbopo. I'm mispronouncing it. Um, where did the word come from? Is it just a nonsense word? Or? It's just a nonsense word. Okay. A... I think we were groping for a real river or a real thing, but it, okay. it, whatever it was didn't quite fit okay. the meter, so it ended up as Ambopo. It's a great track, atmospheric, with the lyric where the, the, the guy, you know, starts in normal civilization, then he's subsumed by, by nature, it seems. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've heard that story already. It's, it's a great today. sounding track, uh, you yeah. know. And it was, it's, it's only got two chords in it, I think, isn't it? Uh, it's based around two chords, seems yeah. to be an unusual guitar tuning. It's yeah. a great track, recorded twice, and I... I imagine you... One for the arm and one for the bow pack. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> Imagine you know this, but this track was quite pivotal because uh, I think Neil Sadako was really impressed by that track. And really? Yeah, when Harvey, or maybe Anne Graham, I'm not sure who, went over to New York, um, that track, I think I'm right in saying, helped propel Sadaka, you know, interested in working with you and eventually in Oh, and I didn't know. Studios. I thought it was probably because I was cheaper than Steve Gadd. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to be I'm so earnest. I know, yeah, but <laughs> I, I, it's an interesting story. But I, I, I still, I have no recollection about why he ended up working with us. Yeah. But it, that's interesting that he responded to some of the things that we were doing. That's a nicer reason than yeah. than Harvey saying, "Well, I got these boys, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you could do a really nice deal." <laughs> and what was it like working with him? He sounds like he was a, a bit of a, a kind of. A brilliant machine in the studio. Uh, quite extraordinary. He he would play the piano mm. and sing at the right. same time, but yeah. he would always always sing the harmony part first. Okay. Really, very bizarre. Wow. wow. Yeah, <laughs> and then dub his lead vocal afterwards. Oh. That's extraordinary. And and uh, all four of you sang BVs on on yeah. those albums. What was great about that album is we all got to play together. Yeah, right. As a band, mm. and which was one of the reasons we became one, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you remember about all the football songs? Did you as little as possible? Right. Okay. <laughs> Except, <laughs> of course, uh, the ones for Manchester City, which are fantastic and wonderful. Oh, yeah. that's your... <laughs> Every time I bump into Noel Gallagher, he yeah. says it's his favourite song ever was "Funky City." Oh yeah. Oh, that's and cracking I, tune. Oh, and well, I have to agree. With <laughs> Funky City. Uh, sorry, this is real nerdy again. But a, a riff <laughs> surprise, from, surprise. A riff from there is recycled into consequences. It's please, please, please. Are you aware of is that? Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Damn. The kind of ascending bit, the little bridge section. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. They, they still play the boys in blue at the Etihad, I think. Right. Yeah. I think we did a couple of football teams. You did Everton. Did we? I better not mention them in case you know. Right. <laughs> Man U. Yeah. No. That was later. All right. Did that we do Manchester United? No, it was. It was. Oh, glory, yeah. Did Glory Glory? Yeah, but Man that was United? in the eighties. Oh, right, right, Strawberry, okay. but, but oh, later. Not on. us, was it? Yeah, Berry. Um, Berry. Um, there was Red Rum, apparently, as well. I yeah. don't think they brought Red Rum into the studio. Yeah. No, well, I don't. Yeah. Sound would have been messy. Yeah. yeah, Lancashire Cricket Club. I'm, I'm not sure. Lancashire Cricket Club? Uh, I believe they recorded a, a cricket strawberry. song. A cricket <laughs> song, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. What did we start? Yeah. 
going back to sort of 10cc and you're, and you're kind of you're already a band in, in waiting aren't you in the Sadaka sessions yeah what um, what core skills did you think the four of you brought to the table imagination mm. um, how about individually individually well we were all relatively accomplished musicians by then and but we also understood the dynamics of the recording process because prior to Neil coming in, we recorded all sorts of material at Strawberry. Mm. As you must know, there was mad shit coming through the door, yeah. including football songs and yeah. crazy plumbers from Sheffield. And yes, yeah. precisely, and comedians and a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I can't see that working yeah. as an audio thing. Foolishly, I remember we we kept trying to get him to retake a particular passage in the song he was doing because we could see his lips move. <laughs> until we realised that nobody ever will yeah, see his lips yeah, move. Yeah. But, you know, sort of TV producers, girlfriends, also, you know, any manner of nonsense that came in through the door, we, we, we recorded because we were learning. Yeah. So we brought all that, that to the process and Neil was very open to it. But it was interesting that, that it was disciplined by the kind of record that he wanted to make. Mm. He wanted something very stripped down that was very like a Carol King record, mm. because that's what was kind of happening at the time. And it was very nice not to have to think too hard, but just mm. to concentrate on getting your chops down, mm. yeah. uh, which we did quite well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great record. I mean, the song the really songs good. are great, but the band sounds <coughs> taut and just in, in the pocket. Yeah, it's sounds simple. Very, yeah, exactly. Oh, virtually no overdubs other than BBs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that um, Eric in his book talks about when you become a band and, you, and you've, you've launched the ship. Yeah. He, he, he says that the four members of 10CC very much have their own unique, um, very, very sort of well honed skills. He, he compliments you on your lyric writing, Lol on his melodies, Graham on his chords. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that's a fair uh, a f uh, breaking it? Can you break well, it down quite, into those? It's quite cycles? astute yes. to to say that that early, um, but yeah, I mean, I think we all did things that we enjoyed doing and sort of concentrated on those things to a degree. Although my lyric writing wasn't to the fore on Neil Sedaka record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yes, I think that I think I think there's some truth in that. Yeah, yeah, and of course, Eric had a great pair of ears. Yeah. At mm. least one great pair of ears. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, very much so. We love the, the sort of sonic invention, mm. don't we? The production is just fantastic. And I think the records really stand up now. There's, there's, oh, a, fre there's a freshness about them. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. They're beautifully recorded. Um, and there's loads going on, but the, it's never cluttered, is it? No. There's a lot of space. I think the room had a really good sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was... Uh, it was everything was mic'd up well. Everything was recorded beautifully. Yeah. So it wasn't too much of a stretch to get a good result. You know when something's right or when it's working, and when you don't, you don't have to think about it. Mm. And it's so much more like that when you're writing music. You know instinctively whether this is going to work. Mm. So you just kind of plough on and then you right. listen to what you've got and you think, mm, that bit could be better, that could be. You're so, absolutely right. Paul and I are both musicians yeah. and uh, we've both written you know, a lot of songs in our time yeah. and you, you've nailed it. 
Um, it is an instinctive process. It's intuitive. And sometimes the best song just comes out of, literally out of the ether in three minutes, doesn't well, it? Some of the best things, and it's intuition and instinct, and the best things come out when you're not thinking. Mm. When you're driving and humming along to something, mm. and something will just arrive out of nowhere. Mm. Because part of your brain is constantly churning mm. the stuff. And if you're lucky, it'll kick something out every now and again that you weren't ready for, but it's really good. Mm. Sometimes it can take a long time to do that. Sure. Maybe I can quote you on um, that track you did more recently with Graham, Son of Man, which is a brilliant song about the pre... Oh, that's fun, that one, yeah. ...prehistory oh, the, of 10cc. Yeah, the I documentary think, song. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely... I think, I think you say, did it write itself in half an hour like all the best ones do? Yeah. You're talking about Donna there, I think. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and, yeah. That was pretty accurate. It did write itself in half an hour, pretty yeah. much, in that little middle workroom at Strawberry. Again. Brilliant. We'd like to ask about that period, um, because prior to that, you had some you know, beautiful songs, some of which had been around for a while, back in Frabjoy and Runcible Spoon days, and a kind of pastoral <laughs> sound, usually with you as a lead vocalist. And uh, can you remember a song called Today? Yeah. Which is a beautiful song. Oh, it was a very one. full production with all four of you, released under the banner of Festival, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it's on. It's on this uh, <laughs> Strawberry Productions. What was wrong with us? Were we ashamed of who we are? <laughs> yeah, um, you had so many nom, nom de plume, didn't but you? But that sound, and also I'm thinking of the song Waterfall. I know it's an Eric Graham song. Yeah. That was a, a again. You sing lead vocal on that. Do I? Yes, you do. Okay. And it's a beautiful lead vocal, if I may say so. Thank but you. that that approach seemed to be turned 180 when you came up with Donna and then you went for this primary colours, uh, you know, pastiche sound and it, everything seemed to turn on its head and mm. Lowell became the lead singer, at least initially. Was that, was that just a, was that in any way a conscious decision in the writing? No. It, it, I'll tell you what it was and I think it was quite a pivotal thing. Mm. Um, I think any band when they're starting off, and Hot Legs are probably a good example of it, if you listen to the Hot Legs record, mm. I think to a degree we were trying to ape the Beatles. Mm -hmm. okay. There's a lot of, you know, sort of Abbey Road moments. And yeah, yeah, very much so. We were young, so. and I think a lot of singer-songwriters, bands, so mm. try to make the kind of music that they admire. Yes. So mm -hmm. there's an element of it that is, is sort of tapping into somebody else's zeitgeist, but there's always a point mm. where something happens to make you become yourself. Right. And I think perhaps Donna was 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 the start of that. Mm. I mean, it becomes more obvious when we start to make the album with things like the hospital song and so on yeah. and so forth. Sand yeah. on my face and, and things. Yeah, um, but it was like, and it's, it mostly happened, and particularly with us, when there was no pressure, mm. when we were doing something that we didn't really have to think about. We were we were. As it says in the Son of Man, we were knocking off a B-side. Yeah. That's all we were doing. We yeah. kind of figured, oh, waterfall is like, you know, it sounds like CSNY. Exactly. It's got to yeah. be the one. That West Coast yeah. sound. Let's yeah. go and do Did something. Did you think it was the one? Yeah, let's go and do something else. It's a mm. bit mad. Mm. Right. And so Donna. Yeah. But there was something, as you know, there was something about it. When mm. Once it was recorded, it had the thing that was lacking in the other stuff. It had character. It yeah. had... Really had, hooky. Yeah, it had yeah. the, it had the, mm. it had the germ. Packed yes. on top of each other, in fact. And it had a fantastic melody. 
Yeah, it's a lot it's of nothing fun. new. It's a bit like Oh Darling. But well, only the first couple of notes. Yeah, uh, then it does veer off. It veer yeah. off, veers off in somewhere yeah. great yeah. after that. But we love, we love that. I think you, you nailed it when you said that pivotal point where previously you, you, you put out some, some gorgeous stuff, quite rural, pastoral. The but lyrics are kind of poetic and nebulous, and suddenly comes along. Sorry, comes along this wonderful, very direct, hooky mm. um, stuff that just grabs you and entices you in. It's, it's marvelous. Yeah. I think there was this. Again, it's a subconscious thing, but we were looking for something, or must have been looking for something, to right. find our our niche, our sound, our mm. without it being a conscious thing. Yes. And so it just came out mm. as that. And even we weren't we thought it was a bit silly and a bit frivolous mm. until we'd recorded it and it was such fun to, to record and it mm. just sounded like it there was a little magic in there. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Jonathan King felt the same way, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to Waterfall, which could have been a dozen other groups. Right. Yeah, it was it, more it? AOR, wasn't it, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it was It was kind of predictable. Mm. Uh, yes. but Gorgeous, but yeah, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 That first album, it sounds so free. The enjoyment is <laughs> almost palpable, I think. Because it was done very quickly. Right, just a few weeks, was it? I think so. I think it was done in about three or four weeks. And, uh, and uh, again, it was shit. <laughs> we've, we've got to do something because right. we've had a hit record. Yeah, so uh, what have we got? We got this. So we, we just we just we just went in and recorded. At the time, felt like anything that came out ended up on tape. What about Fresh Air for My Mama, which to me is the masterpiece on that first album? Fantastic. What a track, track. yeah. Partly is that already... On the, is that on the first 10 CC album? Yeah, it closes the, the, yeah. the first wow. 10 CC album. And it recycles that long section, doesn't it? The middle it, from is Hot recycled legs. from a song right. called You Didn't Like It Because You Didn't Think of It, which is a hot legs in. Yeah. Seriously, don't remember this. <laughs> well, you it's know, this was, this, you're talking about four years, about yeah, okay. 52 fucking years ago. <laughs> yeah, so no, know. and I've done a lot of stuff since then. <laughs> okay. So I remember, I remember vagueness, vague vaguenesses, if that's right, a, yeah, a word. Okay. But you're talking about it, kind of, it kind of brings it back. No, that was a good song. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah, um, and the Dean and I, which. Oh, we uh, both rate as one of the, the very best songs out of the... the, the I the think whole. you're right. Not necessarily the best song, I but it was... I think it's your best song ever. I'd really? I'd actually go out on a limb and say It's that, all subjective, yeah. of course, but yeah, I yeah. think it's a, a, a little mini masterpiece. I think Graham thinks it's, 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 it's the song that sums up what we were about. Yeah. Yes, I've heard him which, say that, which, yeah. maybe, which is kind of really odd because it's not a rock song. It's... it's mm. It's more like something out of a Broadway musical. Very much so, yeah. Definitely. And, and Eric think, hated it. I think that's probably the reason Eric but did hate he it. he then added 
great input to it, which was just indicative of how the four of you could work brilliantly. You'd yeah. always, you wouldn't just, you'd walk off, you'd say, right, how can I make this better? That's what Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was the chemistry. Yeah. That was how the chemistry worked. Yeah. And yeah. then you, you, you throw in that lovely dollop of Beach Boys-ness in the middle. They were dating in the park, they were smooching in the dark of a doorway for two. She whispered, I love you. There was a lot of Beach Boys stuff going on, wasn't there, in, the, in those early days? Was that a big influence on you? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm. I mean, God only knows. I think that was that was a track that never left my turntable right. for long. Yeah. Um, and even when we found our own voice, mm. we still tapped into theirs occasionally. Yeah, we we hear echoes of Surfs Up, don't we, in in somewhere in Hollywood. Yeah, um, and in Fresh Air for my mama actually. Yeah, yeah, There's something about the progression is uh, yeah, and the way it's structured in, in in sort of quite fragmented pieces. The piano style yeah, and everything. Yeah. Was that a deliberate thing? Did you reference it deliberately? Do I think? don't think. I think it was just there in us. It was part sure. of our part of our psyche by then. So it was just we just drew drew, drew from it, and mm. um, it just appeared. And when things appear and they work, you don't question them. Yeah, you just go with the flow. So. Yeah. And it must have been fun swapping songwriting partners as well. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, that was interesting. And every time, it, every, there was a different dynamic to every partnership. Yeah. Tell us about the, 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 those different dynamics then. Well, I suppose that Lol and myself always considered ourselves to be the more experimental uh, partnership. So whenever we split up and worked with one of the others, we felt it our duty <laughs> <laughs> to to sort of um, yeah deconstruct to, twist things yes, around a bit. Deconstruct right. is a very very polite word. Okay. <laughs> to bring a little danger and a bit of jeopardy into the, into the songwriting process. Right. Because uh, both Eric and Graham although very accomplished writers and very melodic and, and mm. fantastic writers, we felt at the time lacked that grit, that, that mm. element of, of chance, yes. that we would go out of our way to prod them with. Mm. We were kind of like the taser writing partnership <laughs> and we <laughs> say fucking the chorus. No, <laughs> yeah. you know, not quite like that, but, but you know, I think... But that's what that's what our our role was in a way, and of course we bring the natural skills to that party, the individual parties. But it was always fun. We we, we came up with some pretty interesting results by doing that. Definitely. Yeah. Like sacroiliac, I mean, that's a, just a fantastic yeah, I love track. track. Yeah, I love yeah. yeah, lovely harmony. It's uh, you and Graham, I imagine, for a lot of it, two part, and then it yeah. splits into three part. Yeah, how did you arrange the harmonies? Because they're they're they're, they're great, obviously, it goes without saying. Were they instinctive as well, or did yeah. somebody actually say, Right, we're going to stack it like this, we're going to have no, it, it was all intuition because really mm. we knew who we were by then, we knew what we could do, right? So the process of thinking about it was replaced by the process of trying it. Mm. Okay. So it's, what would it be like if you did it? Okay, well, so we immediately try it. Right. Yeah. 
because we could, and if it worked, mm. we kept it. It was, it was as simple as that, and it would tell us whether it was any good. There was a lot of swapping lead vocalists. On the film of my love, for example, I know Graham sings it, yeah. but I can hear your phrasing. I mean, it sounds like... It, can't don't, hear blame that. No, no, for, don't blame me for film of my love. Uh, well, you wrote it. <laughs> oh, well, it's not fun, isn't it? Just, yes, they blame me for film of my love. But it was a of throwaway it. track. It was like, you know, we were taking the piss. Yeah. 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 Do we hear The Godfather in there with all the mandolins and everything? Was that a deliberate film reference? Good question. Possibly. Mm. Possibly. What year was this? 75 is on the original sound. Godfather. 72, I think, Godfather. Um, it's quite possible, yeah. 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 The film of my life who travelled the world and travelled the whole world So, yeah, so you have to be in the right mood for film, my love. It's, it's, it's a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, I, I haven't been in that mood for a long time. <laughs> What about One Night in Paris? We hear that it was initially much longer and was kind of chopped down. I, I, Do you I have that? no memory of it being longer. Okay. Could yeah. it be, possibly be longer than it's, it was. Well, yeah, it took up a whole side, apparently. Eric says this in his book, actually. Yeah, yeah He's, he says... But it, it was longer. Yeah, yeah we, was, we sort of fantasise about there being tapes knocking around. Kevin. Doesn't sound like it. I, <coughs> not as far as I, I recall. Mm. Maybe it was never recorded in that form, maybe Quite it was envisaged. Yeah. If it was longer, it may have been some elements that are there that have been stretched, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. I remember us recording the piece that's actually on the record, so right. Right. it'd be interesting if there was a longer version, but I'm not aware of it, yeah. and what you, those extra bits might be. Sure. Was it fun to record? Sounds like it, was, it. it was, it was difficult, mm. because... There are so many bits and pieces in it and so many sort of time signature changes and mm. speeds. Yeah. And I think we probably recorded it, tried to get a backing down for the whole piece, mm -hmm. um, which took a while. I think that's how we actually did it, so that the feel was relatively... Really? In one, one through? The, the, the back, backing track, was it probably all recorded in one go? Or yeah, one I, th I think so. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to ask about the, the track of One Night in Paris, yeah. because it's actually very Spartan. I don't think there's any guitar at all. It, it's oh. all piano, bass and drums, and of course, massed vocals. Was that a deliberate ploy to bring out the vocal arrangement, or...? No, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it was just practical. Right. Um, Eric was probably in the control room mm -hmm. while we were playing, and right. it was always just going to be what we worked on, you know, it was getting something down as a bed so we can work on top and embellish and so on and so forth. Mm. Pretty much the same as we did with I'm Not In Love. There was always, you know, the sense that this would get us to where we need to go. So yeah, right. it was, there was never a huge amount of thought as to whether we we're going to be keeping this or losing this. It was just mm. a way to get there. Yeah. Right. And you know that there have been a theatre company was interested in putting it on the stage. Were you, were you party to that? No, One Night in Paris. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that I think it's in recent years. Now that's the answer to being a longer version because, right? How long is the recorded version? Maybe 11, ten minutes, eleven minutes. Yeah, that's okay. Sort of I don't think you'd pack a house for yes, a ten minutes. Yes, exactly. No. Exactly. But I think they wanted to kind of use it as the nucleus of a show okay. and, then, and then embellish the characters. Interesting.
we sort of um, detect a, a, a change of mood between sheet music, which we love. It's such an amazing album. We'd like to talk to you about that one. We sort of detect a, a change of mood into original soundtrack. It sounds more grown up. And we wonder if yeah. that was a... If you were aware of that, whether the New Deal kind of made you think you had a, a greater responsibility or something. Oh, God, no. I don't, I, I don't think so. I'm just trying to recall what kind of periods of time elapsed between albums in those It days. wasn't long, was Not it? Not long, but really. Mm. Ten months between each of the four albums, consistently. One right. a year, 73 through 76, yeah. which is extraordinary. When you consider you were obviously a working touring band, yeah, exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet you were knackered. Yeah. I just think, I mean, I think, um, I think it's true to say for all our records, bar How Dare You Perhaps, mm. um, that each album was a result of what came out at the time. Yeah. And maybe we had developed, maybe we had matured a little bit before we sat too with that album and mm. that was the result really there was no conscious oh shit we've joined a big label we better do a big record mm. <laughs> there was nothing well at least nothing from from my perspective and i doubt if it was anything from lols mm -hmm. i can't speak for for eric or graham but mm. i don't recall feeling anything like that okay. because we'd been signed because of what we did so there was no yes. there was no sense that oh we had to become something else okay mm. Good point. Yeah, no, no, I think it's a great point. Was How Dare You less enjoyable? No, not not once we got started. It was okay. at, at the beginning of How Dare You. I, there was, I mean, I hope I've got the chronology right. Mm. Um, and perhaps I, 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 I haven't. I'm not sure. It may have been that we had a, a pre-production meeting before How Dare You, or it may be the record that we never got to make after How Dare You. Okay. But, but towards the end of the four years, there was a sense that 10CC understood now who they were and how they fitted into the marketplace. Mm. So we need to do a couple of these kind of tracks, a long one and a, a gentle one, mm. and a couple of funny ones. And There's a formula kind of... Kind of, yeah. which, which, you know, in retrospect makes some kind of, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, you begin to understand what people like about you, so it's a mm. natural instinct to kind of follow mm. those those things. But but from Lon and myself's perspectives, it kind of took, took the fun out of it, because part mm. of recording for me, back then, was, was not knowing what you were going to come up with. Mm. You would just jump in yeah. and, and, and start something, and, and then something magical would happen if you were lucky, yeah. and there you'd have a, a track that didn't sound like anything you'd done yet. So that mm. was always the thrill. Mm. But mm. by planning it, it, it kind of, mm. it was a little disappointing yeah. somehow. And I wouldn't say the rot set in, but it was like a little question mark. You fall in love with an iceberg. It's only the tip of the iceberg. Eric says that he felt that you and Lowell were, were trying to shock them with with lyric suggestions and so. Oh, well, we did. Do you think that? Do you think that's why you did that? Were you trying to shake the tree a bit so there was a bit of Always. that grit? And, Always. I, yeah. know, I remember ice, uh, Iceberg. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Quite dark, isn't it? Which had well, even darker, darker lyrics. Yes, yeah. we've seen the... Uh, ex, uh, there the, was a darker coda at the yeah, end. Yeah. Is that the right word, coda? Yeah. 
Um, I was trying to persuade everybody that the last thing should be a small spoken word thing that says, I want to get down on all fours and shit in your handbag. <laughs> Didn't end up on the cut. Controversial. Yeah, but the, the point was not to do it, but, but to make people go, oh, and right. then question yeah, yeah. why can't we do that. Yeah. It was to keep debating, to keep pushing, to keep making us... Keep keeping us alive, in a sense. Keep yeah. pushing forwards. Don't sit back and rest on your laurels ever. Yes. Mm. It struck me that you and Long were always doing that. We were literally yeah. reinventing yourselves. We were provocative. We were provocative in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. And who who, who was that laughing at the end of Iceberg? Was that you or or Graham? I, I just kind of slowed down laugh. Right, right, right. Oh. Yeah. I don't. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We sped it. We sped it up, and we, we still couldn't we, tell. We still can't tell who it, it serves was. us right for even bothering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but hey ho, we uh, completed. I don't I, know. I can't remember. But it was you know whoever the psycho was that sang yeah. it. I guess. Great track. Where lots of people talk about the lyrics of Ice. It's dark, but it's very melodic, oh, and it's it. got huge, uh, brilliant jazzy chords. Lovely in it. different bits. Yeah. In it. Yeah, it was very light in the end. It was like a bit disappointing. I wanted really? it to be darker. I thought the lightness played against the. I think yeah. the darkness in the lyrics still comes through. The yeah. protagonist is quite. I, was, I think there's a nice tension actually between the lightness That's and the dark lyrics. I always wanted to make us darker, right. but there was no darkness there in the band at all. Not really. I'm Mandy Fly Me. Um, I think it was another example, like perhaps even more famously, I'm Not In Love, where you kind of deconstructed the track and made it a lot better. I think it was your idea to, to lift it out of a rather slow uh, song and bring in the, the guitar solo or just do something different. Kind of coerce the other guys into, into changing it up a bit and adding the guitar solo. I may have done. I mean, right. we, were all, we were all running on instinct by then, so... Yeah, yeah. If one of us ever felt that something wasn't quite right, yeah, it wasn't. You know, you just didn't say, "Well, that's not working." Right. You had to say, "That's not working," and why, and also mm. perhaps come up with an alternative yeah. route. So, so it was. It was the criticism was always constructive. Mm. Yeah. So if I did say that, well, maybe it worked. Mm. It did work. Oh, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We can almost hear you and see you in the studio and the songwriting process being even a, a bit contrary even, where you're, you're deliberately deconstructing, going against what's there, turning things upside down, round and round. And I wonder if, if, if that was why some of, some of your contributions and your ideas were so fresh and groundbreaking. Were you a kind of a... a, a Trying to be polite, really. Were you contrary? Do you think? Do you think that was part of, of creatively? Yes. Yeah. I, I think yeah. so. I felt that that was part of my job. Yes. You know, and and lol to to the, I don't know to the same extent, but, but and this this comes this goes way way back to Lol and I being at art school together and mm. a tutor called Bill Clark who was a painter yes. you must know the story about yeah, that's right. yeah. his Eno-like obsession mm. with, with teaching people to get the best out of themselves involved um, having them work with unfamiliar materials and, mm. and in unfamiliar ways mm. by having them stand on one leg and painting blindfolded and so on and so forth yes. the point being 
not to reach a point that you know you can reach, but to reach beyond, beyond that. that right, yeah. And to use your instincts and your intuition to find something that you don't know that you can do. Yeah. So that that's always always stayed with me. Yeah. Mm. I was going to ask, Kevin, is Bill Clark still alive? I, I think he's still dead. <laughs> I, I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure. He was fantastic. Well, let me put it Cox. this way: did he did he realise what an influence? Uh, he's obviously a formative influence on yourself, and yeah. therefore on a large chunk of, of popular music. Is he aware of that? Was he aware? No idea. I mean, right. we, we were a tiny college, Ashton Underline College, right. okay. for further education okay. for a pre-diploma year. Right. Ah, this okay. wasn't Stoke. This was before then. This was. This was. Yeah, long, long, okay. long, long time ago. Right, I beg your pardon. Okay. And so, had, he seems to have a really had a really central influence on your artistic well, life. Well, it was just it was it was just it just made so much sense yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I know I can draw. I mean, everybody who goes to art college, they can do something. I can draw already. I can draw in charcoal, and mm. I can draw in pencil, and. I don't like using colour a lot, so Kevin, here's a brush and a huge palette of colours, and off you go. What's going to happen? Yeah. So you you take that spirit and you trans transmit it to sound. Yes. And off you go again. And I mean, I hope it wasn't gratuitous. I hope it wasn't like you know this sounds really fucking brilliant. Let's fuck it up. Mm-hmm. It worked for I'm not in love, Cracky. I mean. You ripped that apart, didn't you? I'm not in love. Not structurally, we didn't. A little no, bit. But in terms of the the arrangement, just that the, the genius of simplicity in, in that, you know, the purity of that idea of just doing the vocals. Wonderful. But but again, that was that was born out of desperation mm. because, as I said, we'd we'd already recorded the song and it was it was it wasn't. It was a horrible recording. <laughs> it just was meaningless. But but there was something in the song. Yes. You know, it was one of those you kept humming. Mm. But but there was a lack of vision for it. So I think you know, at some point we knew we were going to do it again. So at some point, some discussion, I just blurted out, mm. "Why don't we do it all in voices?" You know, I might have said, mm. "Why don't we get an orchestra of seagulls in?" You know, yeah. you, one could say anything. Yeah. So yeah. luckily, it was the right thing to say. And what happened, happened. Mm. And it was the most wonderful procedure. It doesn't happen very often, but it's rare that everything you add to a track um, sticks mm. yeah. and makes it sound better. Yeah. You usually go through a lot of changes and yes. tests. But yeah. Every single thing we added just made it sound better and better mm. and better. We were on a roll with that. Track. How did you know when to stop then? Because it wasn't that you thought, right, that's it. it. Just, yeah, okay. I think the final thing we did was with the musical boxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was just obvious it was, it there was, was nothing done. else yeah. to yeah. do. <laughs> we probably no tracks as well. We probably yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. We probably did. Yeah. I mean, the, the sound of it was, was just unbelievable. I'm not alone. It still is. It really is. Yeah. You seem to have had a bit of a love-hate relationship with I'm Not In Love. Why do you say that? Um, a couple of, I think, off-the-cuff or tongue-in-cheek comments that you've made over the years. Like, um, I think you were talking about you and Lowell solo and saying, oh, we don't have to do crap like I'm Not In Love anymore. And I just wondered oh, if, you, if you'd got like an ambivalent attitude towards the song. No, not, not at all. When, when, when did I say oh, that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, I've never. I, 
maybe I was drunk or something, <laughs> or yeah, in a bad mood. In a, yeah, <laughs> caught you in an off no, mood. No, I've, I've always felt that that was one of our best achievements, that song yeah. and, that, and that whole experience. Yeah. It's... Uh, even when you hear it now, it makes it makes me tingle a little it's bit. It's fantastic. It really and a, is. And a great a wonderful minimalist drum performance. One thing I admire about your <laughs> drumming... I'm serious. One well, thing I admire about drum. your, your drumming, I know, Kevin, is that you don't necessarily use the full kit. You use what's right for a song. And in that song, I know it's a Moog playing yeah. the bass drum. But a, a real... Even just a single bass drum would have been too heavy, right? You just found the, the right sound. Well, it, it wasn't so much that. It was just that we, to get the intimate feel that we wanted to lay everything on top of, yes. we didn't want to be out in the live room doing it with, you know, with sound baffles between uh, us and so on sure. and so forth. Right. So we did it all in the control room, uh, which, you know, we didn't have a kit in the control room. Yeah. Right. So I didn't really have any choice. So it wasn't an artistic decision, at least initially. It was a practical decision. To well, it was, it was a decision because we all wanted to be there together okay. to, and mm. so we could feed off each other. Yeah, right? OK. Because we weren't working to a click track because there weren't any click tracks in yeah. those days. So exactly. we were actually playing together. Yeah. Um, so that's why it turned out to be a Moog. We just managed to get a nice, gentle... Yeah. Soft. Yes. Yeah. It's got a lovely thud sound. to it, hasn't it? It's a nice Beautiful sound. sound. Yeah. yeah, but the way, I mean, if I may, the way you, the heart palpitates, it's not a steady rhythm towards the end. You get no. you get the feeling of, you know, the, the emotion is somehow even in that Moog performance, if I may. Well, it's it's interesting because we, we all have found the groove relatively early on. Mm. So if you're a, if you're a drummer, you know, you're kind of relying on the others to a degree as much as they're relying on you. Mm -hmm, sure. And it was going so smoothly and the, and, and the groove was in place, so I just felt I could move out of it every okay. now and again. Right. Yeah, With yeah. an extra beat there, yeah. an extra one there. Do you still play drums? I've got a small uh, electronic rolling kit at home. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I've just wondered if you, if, you, if you missed playing drums, uh, you know... Um, or do, you, do you play for fun, you know? With, a little you know. bit, yeah. It's, it's, I do. I, I drag them out and just have a thrash. Every right, I meant with other musicians, just friends or just for... No, just me. Okay. Right. Just okay. me. I wouldn't embarrass anyone by... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening